Trapani Show, today at the G1. Hello and welcome to Today at the G1. My name is James Trupani and we're looking at the night three of the G1 Climax Tournament for 2020. Five matches, well actually six matches. We'll have a quick look to start with at uh, Gabriel Kidd and Yuamura in the uh, traditional Young Lions opener, which was actually quite a bit of a blinder today. I really enjoyed it. Gabriel Kidd is really pulling something out. I've had a lot, been a big fan of Yuamura for a while. But he really was on form for this matchup. But Gabriel Kidd takes the win, which is really impressive. Uh, he hasn't won much since his uh, debut on the main roster in New Japan. So it was nice to see him do well. Um, and yeah, I really enjoyed that matchup. I'm kind of excited to talk about some of these matches. Some, not so much. <laughs> as you'll find out as I go through this evening. I am running a bit late. My... Uh, my desire to start this podcast at 8pm in the evening or broadcast it was undone by the fact I actually have had to take on extra hours this week to cover for a friend at work who has unfortunately got to stay at home and look after her daughter because she's got um, been self-isolating for a fortnight. So uh, I haven't got everything done the way I wanted to get things done. I haven't had the time to get everything done the way I want to get things done this week. It's been a bit insane. Um but I am here, it is the day, today at the G1, and today at the G1, Shingo Takagi wrestled Jeff Cobb in a stormer. I don't think it was as good as it could have been if it had been later on the show. Uh, it, they did try really, really hard, but it did feel like they didn't have long enough to really explore what each of them can do. A good showing from both of them, though. Shingo takes a loss to Jeff Cobb, which I kind of found surprising in some senses. Jeff's got to have some wins sooner or later. And this is what's making this tournament so unpredictable. We've got so many big names up against so many big names in the tournament. Guess you don't see very often usually have a strong run. People are trying to build or maintain in a strong position within the mid-card or in the main event. And you've got four or five main event players in this block. And this is what's making it intriguing. Takagi and Cobb really worked, to get, worked well together. There, I've got my teeth in. Uh, Takagi is that high-impact, smash-mouth wrestler. So is Jeff Cobb. And though Jeff Cobb has probably about 50 pounds on Shingo Takagi, he really had to work hard in this matchup. It was short format. It could have done with a bit more time. It wasn't as good as it could have been. And they left an awful lot on the table. But it does intrigue me for some time down the line, Jeff Cobb versus Shingo Takagi. That would be really interesting to see. Next up on the card was... Kazuchika Okada versus Yujiro Takahashi in a match I can't really say an awful lot about. It was alright. It's the 57th time I've seen Yujiro wrestle Okada this summer. He seems to get stuck with one opponent. Last year it was Sonata uh, when he was IWGP heavyweight champion and he wrestled him four times. And now it's Yujiro. And I'm just kind of sick of it. it Okada was, Okada's great and Yujiro's not awful. It just I'm just sick of these two wrestling each other this summer. So it was a bit of a disappointment, really. Um, I think, to be honest with you, the A, the A group hasn't really put the matches in that the B group did on the second night. And this is, uh, this is not good. <laughs> but we have got something great to talk about. And I'm actually going to talk great things about Tai Chi, believe it or not. Tai Chi versus Minoru Suzuki was kind of billed as this dark masters matchup, which is the right thing to do. 
It also kind of presages the idea that Minoru Suzuki is not going to be around forever. So what do you do in a match where you've got Tai Chi versus Minoru Suzuki? Tai Chi is the heir apparent these days in Suzuki Gun. Kind of thought it'd be Zack Sabre Jr. He's Suzuki's favourite boy. But this is about the long-term future of Suzuki Gun. And it would obviously be better to have a leader like Tai Chi, so it's Tai Chi Gun. Or, or should it be Sabre Gun? I don't know. I think you're going to have a bit of a fight between those two about who's going to take leadership duties when Suzuki decides to call it a day. Now Suzuki is the never openweight champion and Tai Chi takes a pinfall win over Minoru Suzuki. Does Tai Chi take his never openweight title shot at the end of this tournament? I don't see him not doing. He's not the character isn't there. But this was the great sell of this character. Tai Chi has grown up in the shadow of Suzuki for the last 10 years he's been a sniveling runt of a man who's taken every shortcut he could. But when he finally came up against the king, you take your shot and you make sure you kill him because you can't get it wrong. And Tai Chi did exactly that. It was a scrappy match as you would expect with these two, but it told a great story. It wasn't picture-perfect crisp, but it was incredibly tough. And Tai Chi has toughened himself up in the last couple of years and given this impression he can really go. He was breathless at the end when he won the match, and that's perfectly reasonable. I think it was the right thing to do with Suzuki, because it gives him something interesting to, to move on to. Tai Chi is an interesting opponent for him. He rarely goes heel versus heel. The last significant heel versus heel feud he had was with AJ Styles back in 2014. It's six years since he's done something cool with another heel of an equal stature to him. And I think they're trying to break Tai Chi through and Suzuki would be a good opponent for him. Even if they keep Suzuki strong by losing to Tai by beating Tai Chi in the long run and keeping that never open weight championship around his waist, I think he's a good opponent for Tai Chi and Suzuki is a good opponent for Tai Chi is a good opponent for Suzuki. So we'll see how that develops. The next matchup was Will Ospreay versus Tomohiro Ishii. Now you after you've listening to this podcast for the last couple of days. I'm not particularly keen on Will Ospreay, but that doesn't mean he isn't a great wrestler. I love Tomohiro Ishii. He is a great wrestler. These two just failed to hit the big time for a long time in this match. It was long and boring. Oh, never a good combination. And really, you know, as much as I've said some horrible things about Ospreay, because he's not a particularly nice person, that doesn't mean he isn't a good pro wrestler. But this match didn't really click with me at all. And there's a lot of chatter on Twitter about it didn't click with a lot, a lot of people. Osprey comes in as the big push babyface. That's what you're trying to do with him. And then he calls Tomohiro Ishii a little bitch. His longtime mentor and friend. And it's pretty well known that Ishii has mentored him through his time in New Japan. He calls Ishii his senpai. So I feel that this was laying things on a bit thick. And it didn't really come across as the big, strong baby face you wanted in Will Ospreay. And Ishii is an ability to turn it on heel when he needs to. He did it against several people. Show earlier in this year. Um, loads of people last year. He's always on the edge of being a heel anyway. He, just the fans love him because he tries so hard. So why would you paint Ishii as the baby face and Ospreay as the heel in this matchup, in a faction-on-faction match, which should really write itself. The closing sequence did get things a lot better, but there was an awful lot of false finishes, and you kind of get the idea that the awful waffle that Will Ospreay used halfway through this match was a better finisher than the Stormbreaker, because he nailed it. It was perfect. Stormbreaker, not so much. 
Osprey takes the win. Kind of disappointing. It was kind of satisfying to see Ishii manhandle him around the ring. Wasn't particularly satisfying to see Osprey win, especially after a not great performance. It wasn't awful. It was watchable. But you kind of expected more from both these two. However, I was very impressed with Mr. Jay White and Mr. Kota Ibushi in our final match of the evening. They went a full bore, 20 minutes, and did the job. They were excellent, a brilliant main event. The story was well told, a proper New Japan-style main event with two proper New Japan-style wrestlers. Well, I suppose Ibushi isn't really a New Japan-style wrestler, but he's kind of based his soul and career upon New Japan-style pro wrestling. Jay White is a pure New Japan pro wrestler and the best heel in professional wrestling today. Winding the fans up because they can't sing. Going after Ibushi's knees and Ibushi selling it perfectly. A brilliant, brilliant story. So well told. And Jay White is so annoying and such a brutally good heel. And really winding the fans up because they can't do the things the fans can do and laughing at them for it. This was a great performance from Jay White. Kotobushi sold at just the right moments. A very reserved Kotobushi, actually, kind of giving the impression that he doesn't really know what to do with Jay White. Jay White doesn't tackle anyone head-on. He's a defensive wrestler. He goes around the problems, and that was the story of the match. Ibushi couldn't cope with Jay White's evasive style because he's used to people coming straight at him. And Jay White doesn't do that, and it kind of showed in the finish as well. Ibushi setting up for, um, I think it was for Komagaye, when Jay White, halfway through the move, pulls him in and comes in with his finisher, and that's it. Show's over. It's just as quick as that. Jay White can beat you in three seconds flat. Well, four seconds, I guess. He has to get the move on and get a cover. But that was brilliant. Brilliant storytelling. Ibushi doesn't know what to do with Jay White. Jay White still has Ibushi's number, and that will tell in the long run. It depends on who you want to win this tournament. And to be honest with you, looking at after today, the card has still got some way to go. He lost his first round match against Ibushi, so he's on two points. Yujiro is on zero. Jeff Cobb lost his first round match, so he's on two points. Of course, so is Shingo. Ishii is on, I'm trying to remember who he, he lost to Tai Chi in the first round, so he's on zero points. Suzuki is two and two, oh sorry, no, he lost to Ishii, so you've got Yujiro and Ishii on zero points, you've got Osprey on four points, you've got Suzuki on two points, Tai Chi uh, lost to Okada, didn't he? So he's on two points, I oh, know he's on four points, he had a win as well. Jay White had a loss. Uh, in the first round, and Ibushi had a win in the first round. So that means Tai Chi and uh, ooh, Tai Chi and Osprey have got four points apiece. The two up and coming guys in their factions that could play out well for both of them. In fact, I kind of thought like you know Osprey's kind of acting like a member of Suzuki Gun at the moment, being a bit cocky, being a bit over the top. Hmm. I wonder are we receiving signals. I'm not so sure. We shall see. I will be back tomorrow with night four of the G1 on today at the G1 Climax. Thank you for listening to me today. My name's James Troopany. You can find me at Sheriff Lone Star on Twitter. You can find the show Troopany Show on Twitter. And you can find our sponsors, powerslam.tv, on Twitter as well. But if you go to powerslam.tv, you can use our code MULLETWATCH and get a free month of watching some great wrestling. Take care, and I'll see you tomorrow. Bye! Thank mm-hmm. you.